So hello everyone. Uh, I am Darren Katz, the very proud and excited incoming head of school at Hillel. And I want to thank you on behalf of the other administrators who are on this call with me. We want to thank you for taking the time to join us today for this parent focus group. We are happy that you have chosen to join us to discuss our reopening plans for the fall because you, our parents, especially our ECC and K parents, play a tremendously valuable part in our reopening process as we continue our work for the safest and healthiest opening to our building in the fall. So as you hopefully read in my email update last week, dated July 9th, our campus will reopen for in-person learning unless government regulations prevent us from doing so at the time. And sort of hot off the press is that Governor Whitmer did release a, it looked like some sort of press statement earlier today that Michigan schools will reopen for in-person learning in the fall. At this time, our campus reopening task force chaired by John Pitcher, Hillel's chief operating officer who just waved at everybody, in consultation with our medical advisor and our academic leader, uh, leaders believe that our students will be able to return to our facility on a daily basis in the fall, albeit with physical distancing guidelines in effect. And we are going to talk about what that looks like later. We are blessed with a spacious campus, flexible classrooms, and extensive indoor and outdoor spaces. In addition, our low student-teacher ratio, which is among the lowest of any school in the area, provides us with the ability to implement all necessary safety and hygiene protocols while still emphasizing the essential core of who we are at Hillel, including our core Jewish values. Now we are planning for modifications to some normal school routines across the board. For example, our lunch program and some physical education, for example. But what I wanna emphasize is that we are committed as a team to providing a complete range of academic and co-curricular programs, including all specialties with physical distancing protocols. It is also very important that I note that in every conversation we have about next year, we discuss the paramount importance of social emotional health for all Hillel students. We do not want them to come to school being afraid. We have to abide or we must abide by regulations provided by the CDC and government authorities, but we want your kids to be kids when they come to school. And we are also planning for two other scenarios. Knowing that it may be necessary to have periods of remote learning next year, our educational task force, which is chaired by Principal Melissa Michelson and Robin sits on this committee, has already begun working to ensure that our faculty are fully prepared to move swiftly from on-campus learning to remote le learning should the need arise for any part of the next school year. We are evaluating all models of asynchronous and synchronous online instruction and determining what is developmentally appropriate for every age group with respect to the amount of screen time. Kindergarten students will be provided with a technology device next year so that younger students are prepared to transition to remote learning and allow more synchronous instruction or 
what you might think of as live instruction to occur. If we are teaching remotely, specialty classes, social emotional learning, and learning support will continue. And lastly, it's important that we recognize, and we do, that there may be students, families, and staff who have a heightened health risk and or may not be ready to return to our facility. In the flexible model that was communicated to you last week, on-campus learning with physical distancing will happen concurrently with the remote learning option for these constituents. So in all honesty, this is the model that requires the most careful planning for our administration and faculty, and we are working diligently on that. So our focus group today will be an open dialogue to give you the opportunity to ask questions, voice concerns, and give us your thoughts. I wanna thank those parents who submitted questions ahead of time. They were so helpful for us to give us a sense of the pulse of the community. So those questions generally fell into the following buckets. Physical distancing procedures, how lunch and recess will work, what will the remote schedule look like, health and safety protocols in general, and then questions around tuition. Now please understand, there may be answers we do not yet have because even though Governor Whitmer had a press release today, the full return to learn plan will be released on June 30th. We will be honest about what we know, what we do not yet know, and when we hope to have answers, hope being the key word in that sentence. I do want everyone to know that this focus group is being recorded so that we can refer back to it if necessary. So I now wanna open up the floor per se to start the dialogue. Someone wants to start with a question or a comment or a concern, just raise your hand or put your name in the chat and I'll be checking to make sure that we get to everybody in the time allotted. So most of you are thinking, um, hi everyone, it's so good to see everyone anyway, but. We know that children need to come to school and we do not, like Darren said, we don't want them to be afraid of school. We plan to take every precaution that we can to make children feel safe, secure, and happy, but we also know that we have to follow some guidelines. So my thought process is, if masks aren't gonna work, maybe the face, clear face shields will work. We are gonna look at everything and try and figure out where we need to go. Michal, you asked if we envision kids and or teachers wearing masks in the classroom. We don't know. I don't think that it's not, it's not age appropriate for an 18 month or a two year old. We know that for sure. Um, I more envision the face shields and what is safety protocols. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, so I, I, my question is, is what is the goal of uh, rules that we're enforcing or we'll be looking at? Are we looking to mitigate infection? Or are we looking to mitigate morbidity and mortality? Um, and I ask this question because uh, I have to answer this question myself as a program director and a chairman of the Air, Ear, Nose, and Throat Department. Um, and uh, it's something we've had to look at. And so the population that I'm dealing with is very different than what you're dealing with in the pediatric population. And I can tell you from a health standpoint, there is really no risk um, to children other than just the fear of the risk to children. Uh, the population that you're dealing with has a 0% morbidity and mortality. And so um, I, 
understand that you'll have to follow state guidelines, but uh, these children are not at risk for anything serious. And actually, I think uh, enacting rules to protect them, uh, like face shields or masks, is actually not going to be beneficial and actually is going to work against the children psychologically and also putting them more at risk of uh, spreading infection because I, as a healthcare provider, watch healthcare providers not use masks correctly. So I can only imagine children not doing it correctly either. Um, and even worse, you know, where they're constantly touching their face, uh, moving the mask around, moving a shield around. Um, so I want to know uh, what our intent is with this. Are we trying to prevent infection in children or taking an infection home? Uh, because, uh, and I'll just give this as an example, when I deal with people that have infectious diseases, I put the mask on, not the person with the infectious disease. So if uh, we're trying to protect others, those people should be taking those precautions anyway, and we shouldn't make the children be the ones that carry that burden of protecting the, the individuals. Noah, I want to thank you for that. I'm going to turn it over to Robin in a little bit. And um, you ask a really good question. And I think we could have different policies we could we should have different we will have we are likely to have different policies let's say for middle school versus k through four versus an ecc i'm not making any promises right now i want to be very clear about the statement i'm making i'm not making any promises but i think it is um i don't know that it's possible to ask a student in the ecc to wear a mask okay yeah, well, so i would actually even say uh, any child uh you know the the worldwide data is for children under the age of 10 having uh, any morbidity or mortality from this. Um, of course, I, I take into, you know, there's always going to be an outlier, but that's not how we create public health right. uh, initiatives or uh, guidelines. So uh, I understand that there's somebody that's going to say, well, did you hear about so-and-so or what it may be? But the, the vast majority of individuals. There's nothing that any child should come to school being concerned for their own health uh, regarding this issue. Um, and that, that goes all the way through eighth grade, uh, in my opinion. The data says up to 10, but uh, even more recent statistics tell us that up to the age of 20. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, we, we shouldn't depend on children to have to wear a mask, but is it even necessary? So I, I would like uh, data to, as opposed to emotion, to um, lead us in our decision making. Okay. Noah, I'm wondering if we can, you and I can talk offline sure. later. Okay. Yep. I'll get your contact information and I'd love to continue the conversation because I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to take None of us went into education to become epidemiologists. This is uncharted territory for us and I can, I'm sure you can understand no, and I understand, and I'm happy. I mean, I, I actually, like I said, I helped uh, create the guidelines for our hospital on dealing with this. So I do have a background now, and unfortunately, a quick background, but right. Right. an understanding. Uh, and I'm happy to provide any information. Yeah. Okay. So I won't take the forum, though. Okay, you and I can talk offline. Thank you, though. Certainly. Thank you. Robin, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I just want to be clear that I was not really talking about face masks for children. I was talking about if a, an adult needed one, it would be more of a or something. Yeah. I'm going to agree. Yeah. Yeah. On Friday, we are sending a survey to every family asking a whole host of questions. It'll take about five to seven minutes for you to fill out. 
we ask questions about comfort with masks, how people are feeling, what their plans are for next year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask at least one person in each household to fill it out by Monday. We desperately need those data. And it's very important for us to be able to take a pulse of the community. So please just fill out the survey when you get it. So the next question is from Simone. Hi. Um, it says, we've heard some clear information about kindergarten and above, but less about possible reopening for the ECC. Can you say more about what you are thinking about the reopening for the programs for the younger kids? We are thinking we are going to be in school with the children in classes, with their teachers, and not afraid of being in school. We will have the classes be bubbles, and they're going to stay. And our, we're lucky that our kids already stay with their, their teachers the whole day, right? So they don't go from class to class. Specialists will come to us if that's how we're doing it. We'll stay in our classrooms. We have enough bathrooms. There'll be more cleaning. We'll take all the precautions we can to make sure that the children are safe and secure and happy. Social interaction is definitely the most important thing of early childhood. We all know that. There are some things that we can take into place for social distancing. For example, if they're gonna be sitting on the floor for a long period of time, we can put their little circles further away. We can give you know groups of children different buckets of toys, but we can't do anything that is gonna make them afraid or make them um, feel uncomfortable in school. Thank you. You guys, everything is so fluid that uh, you don't know what tomorrow is gonna be, right? And we all, we want our kids back in school. We want your children back in school. That's what we want, safely. Hi, everybody. Um, what, uh, what you just said, Robin, made me realize that we've probably um, all spoken to our children at different degrees about what's going on in the world. And it, it might be worthwhile um, to talk, whether it's like right here, right now, or just kind of to have some sort of framework so that the kids are coming into school with um, at least like a baseline understanding of um, coronavirus and, and distancing and germs and how school is going to talk about it so that we can start over the summer to match some of that language. That's a great point. I think, um our thought process was definitely to have, uh, you know, how you talk about norms in the classroom, waiting your turn and raising your hand. We've definitely talked about how we would have to have new norms and guidelines, but it's a great thing to start for us as educators to start thinking about now and help our families have the same language. So thank you for that. I was wondering if there's going to be anything different between the ECC and the school? Like if there's an outbreak in the school, will the ECC be closed with the school? Or um, is there an, an outbreak in the ECC, the school is going to be like, are they going to be always this together? Or are you going to separate into two different organizations? Or I don't know how to call it. Like, mm -hmm. and, and another thing I want to know is, are they going to be outside playing the playgrounds? So I'll take the second part. The first part about the medical, like if it'll be different and how we're handling outbreaks is for someone else, but uh, <laughs> that's for someone else. But the outside, we will be outside as much as we possibly can. We already do that. Um, we have classes that go outside in the rain. They go outside in the snow. 
you will hear that when they say it's indoor recess and the ECC is like, we're going outside. So we will be outside as much as possible. We, the school is so lucky that there is so much space around it. We have fields, we have woods, we have playgrounds. We have so much space that we will utilize all of it. So Tamar, with respect to your first question, John, do you want to talk a little bit about what your task force is doing uh, to come up with the protocol if there's a suspected case? We've started that process. Uh, if there's a su suspected case, we'll take a child to an isolation room. They'll be um, in there with an adult. They won't be left alone. Um, we will call parents. We're, we're still working out the step-by-step -step process. Um, obviously, we would have we if we found out it was a positive case, we would either shut down the whole school or or a certain part of the school, depending where the student has been. I, I don't think we can answer that. Um, I think it'd be on a case by case basis. Obviously, we would do a very very thorough cleaning if that was the case. Um, but we'll work out a step by step plan of what we would do if we had a suspected case. Now we can't freak out every time a child has uh, a runny nose or a fever because it's flu season as well. Um, but we need to take care of it to make sure they, they don't have COVID. So we'll be very attentive to that, but we're not going to shut down the school every time a child has a runny nose or a fever. But we're, we're going to play it safe and rely on our medical experts to lead us in that direction. Um, just to clarify, um, what I wanted to know is that if, the ECC is always going to follow the school. Like, um, I know there's going to be a decision that schools are closed, but daycares and so forth are still open. Is the ECC is going to be closed because of this, because it's part of the school, or you're going to have like different, are you looking at into differently? Yes, I, I believe we would look at that. For example, if an eighth grader on the second floor of the school um, is sick and, and let's say turns out to be positive, that, that person has never been in the ECC wing. So the ECC wing, in my opinion, would be considered clean and we wouldn't have to shut that down. But we, we to, to be completely transparent, we haven't finalized all the plans. And I think, again, it'll be on a case-by-case -case basis, depending on who, who, if anyone is infected and, and where they are throughout the building. Robin, there's a question from Heather. Mm -hmm. Hi, Heather. So... We have not done teacher placements yet. Um, we need to finish this year off. I hear you. We are definitely looking at it um, for next year. Hopefully we will have them earlier so that if need be, we do some um, meet and greets early and smaller groups. Um, we are definitely looking at them earlier. You asked about meeting their teachers remotely. That's, they're too young for that. They're not going to meet them remotely. No, no. I didn't mean meet them remotely. I oh. If the, if you start the year off virtually, not hmm. in school, so will they not, then if you say they won't meet them remotely, right. will they so, not? Right. There will be some, definitely some type of connection, but I don't know that they will, the ECC's 18 months, twos and threes, will start remotely. I think our fours, which are pre-K, definitely could do more of that, but I, it's not developmentally appropriate, and we want to make sure that our children remain developmentally appropriate and have their social-emotional, which is the most important. Okay, there was a, a question 
in the chat, will we still walk our kids into their classrooms? That's a great question. I think that it all depends on what we say with uh, how many people can come into the building. That's part of the campus reopening task force and how they're going to do it. So, John. Yeah, I'll take that over. Um, it, right now, at least at the start of the year, I think we won't allow parents into the building. We may use the e a separate entrance for the ECC rather than the main lobby. Uh, but, but I think we'll at least start out the year being extra safe and extra careful by not allowing visitors into the building unless they're there for a very specific reason, but not to drop off children or pick up children. Yeah, I just saw a question come through. Would the ECC be able to enter separately through the new entrance? I don't know if you just touched on that. Yeah, we're, we're strongly considering having uh, using the ECC entrance just for ECC students. Robin, Elise, uh, have you considered teachers looping with their classes from this year to continue those relationships? We definitely are looking at everything, um, but you know, it's been since March and so, and we have the whole summer. We are thinking of everything. It's a possibility. I can't give you a specific on that. We all want to keep our same teachers. We love them. And the kids built a nice relationship with them until it, through the whole year, right? Yes, the <laughs> I got it. I got it. What is the process for once there is a suspected case of COVID in the school? What if a child has a fever? Could be any kind of infection. Are they not allowed back in school until they are confirmed negative? I know that John spoke to that. So he, he mentioned that. I guess my thing is kind of what he said, you know, kids get sick for all kinds of reasons, right? And I worry about this notion that someone has a fever, runny nose, they're coughing. We all freak out 14 days quarantine till we or, or when they, I mean, I would freak out too if someone in my kid's class was coughing, whatever. I just want to know what the thought is around how we kind of manage through like the, the myriad of concerns about, you know, just general sicknesses, but also COVID and, and what are we going to do? Yeah, unfortunately, we don't, we don't have our school nurse Gail on here, um, but we'll rely really on Gail and the medical professionals that advise us. Um, we, we, if certainly if someone's showing some symptoms, we would encourage their parents to take them to a doctor and find out what it is and rule out anything they can rule out. But again, I, I'm just not so qualified to, to provide much guidance on that. Right. Um, Jennifer, one thing that I want to add is that on June 30th, when the Return to Learn program or document is released from Governor Whitmer, I suspect there may not be clarity about all things. I suspect there will be some clarity about that, though. And so we're, we're waiting to get that information to help inform what we're calling our fire drill policy, meaning if there's a student who develops symptoms during the day, we have a checklist of everything that needs to happen, including clear and frequent communication with the parent body so that they know what's going on. And are you, one more question as a follow-up. Are you guys investing in like some sort of like contact tracing? Like if that happens, let's say a kid, the nurse says, okay, we think it might be COVID, but we have to determine that with a test and it's going to take three days to know. Does the whole, like, have you thought about then what happens? Does the whole class then go offline for three days until we get a confirmed positive or negative on that child? Is there like, are you guys investing in that contact tracing? Oh, I guess it's really easy because it's who's ever in the class, but also potentially, you know, who else was the kid at Shabbat with? Who do they 
you know, all that stuff. I guess maybe there isn't going to be group Shabbats anymore to avoid that, right? Right. We'll, we'll stay in our little bubbles in our classroom so that we know, right? So that if it's in one class, you know, whether it's in a ECC class or it's in a fifth grade class, it's the same thing. We're going to try and limit movement as much as we can. But I, I think, Jennifer, I think that if there is the suspicion of COVID, not a cold, not a regular stomach bug or other types of uh, illnesses, then there is a chance that we would ask all of those students in that, in that bua, in that bubble, to stay home for a certain period of time until we get positive confirmation. Makes sense. That is, that is a possibility. And I think that would, you know, that, again, Gail will inform that as, as the, will our medical advisor, but I certainly think that's a possibility. Right. And, and Jennifer, we, and everyone, we have had, we have protocols in place for when a child has, you know, a fever now and has, or has diarrhea or isn't feeling well. And there are many times when if a child just isn't feeling well, we just say, call home. if they're not feeling well enough to participate in school, then we just say, you know, then they shouldn't be there. Okay. A uh, question from the Hopman family. Has protocol been established in regard to how teacher, staff, et cetera, will be monitored for potential symptoms? For example, will temperatures be taken? What happens if a staff member shows potential symptoms of COVID? Um, yes. The, sorry, I'm on mute again. No, you're good. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yes, uh, there's a plan to have temperature checks every day. Um, being transparent again, we're not certain yet if, if both for students and staff. Um, we're investigating the feasibility of parent reporting of temperatures from home just because of the complications of taking it at the school. If we have to, we absolutely will, but we can't take it outside. Um, what happens if a parent drops off a child and, and they can't come in with the child and then the child has a temperature, then we're gonna be scrambling to try to contact the parent to come back. Um, it would be much smoother from my view if we could have the parents take the temperature and self-report on a, on a app that we're working with right now. We're in, we're in the pilot phase with about 10 or 12 people where every day uh, that we're in the school, we're answering the health questions and reporting our temperature. So that uh, ideally that app will be rolled out to all families uh, for use every day. Um, but we're still having a debate and we still need some consultation on whether it's acceptable to, ex to take uh, a parent's report of a temperature uh, each day. Thanks, Sharon. Just to clarify, I, I was focusing more on the staff, the Hillel staff, just going off of yeah. Noah's earlier comment. Yep. And seeing, given them their status as being more at risk, if there was anything around monitoring that population. Well, I mean, obviously we're going to ask them not to come to work if they feel sick, um, but they will be monitored every day, just like everyone that comes in the building will answer the health questions and have their temperature either taken or accept their reported temperature. Um, but I mean, we'll, I guess we'll be extra vigilant to watch out for that and, and encourage them to be on the safe side if they're really not feeling well to not come to school. There's not really much else we can do like that unless we see someone visibly ailing, then we can really question them hard, but not really much we can do except encourage them to watch themselves and, and uh, think about all the others they might affect if they're not feeling well. There's a question from Jordan. Jordan, I saw your question before. I was not ignoring it, I promise. Um, Jordan Fishman, if school ends up being closed for a long period of time, how will tuition work? I guess that one's, that one's back to me. Um, if, if the ECC closes, uh, I'm sorry, if the ECC does not open in September, 
I've already made the statement that uh, we won't be charging tuition until it does open. Uh, obviously, payments begin in July. Payments happen in August. You would be credited for any payments you made. That's not an issue. What I can't guarantee at this moment is if we have short periods of shutdown, let's say a week or two, I just I don't have the authority to make that decision yet, and the, the uh, finance committee and the board hasn't had time to have that discussion. Sure, and with a week or, and I appreciate that, with a week or two, I'm not as concerned, you know, with somebody on the younger yep. side of the ECC, if they're not in school, yeah, they're getting some, they're getting, the Zoom asked, like, there, there were some really positive things this year, but he wasn't, in, at 18 months, he wasn't in school. Yes, yeah, Jordan, Jordan I, I, I completely sympathize that the value is much lower for the younger children. Um, my personal opinion is that we, and I will be an advocate for, for refunds on long-term shutdown for sure. Um, I just don't have the authority to make that decision. My voice will be heard in the meetings and I could be very loud. Um, so I'd be pushing for that. I just can't decide it. And, and, but we had a very, very spirited debate um, this year on the same topic. And obviously we didn't give widespread refunds, but um, we tried to help out families that were struggling. Um, sure. Absolutely, we would continue to do that under any circumstance, pandemic or no pandemic, we're trying to help families that are struggling. Um, but we'll have to have a discussion at the board if we, if we have a long-term shutdown. I appreciate that, thank you. Okay, and of course, we hope, Jordan, right, we hope that doesn't happen, right? And if there's a, right. a short time where we're back in remote learning, then that's one thing, and, but we're hoping that it's, it's, it's very short and then we're back in the building. And, and, and I think as most of us, as most of the parents agree and hope for the same thing. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, Robin, there's a question yes. from Sarah Lipson that I think you could really speak to because we've had so many discussions about the social emotional needs of our children. And I have to let you all know that every time we have a conversation, Robin is right here on, <laughs> in my ear, sort of preaching and preaching what she's about to tell you. Right. So the social emotional part of learning that happens in early childhood is the most important, right? We know that. So I'm not sure that, um, Sarah, I want to read it quickly because you know that I feel very strongly about children being touched and hugged. And we have thought of all these precautions. We do not want children to be afraid. So if it means that our teachers are wearing big, huge shirts that um, they can leave there or take home and clean up at the end of the day, then that's what they'll do, right? So we can give them a hug and talk to the, and they can be with their friends. Um, we're gonna find out everything that we can do because I don't want any child to be afraid to be in school. Um, you also know that when the ECC even before I think you guys started, we instituted a policy where you walk in, you wash your hands, you sign in, you know, you, you sign in and then you go about your morning. So the washing of the hands or sanitizing is nothing new. Like our kids have done it and it's part of their day. So anything that we do cleaning up or sanitizing something in our you can walk into any of the two-year-old classrooms and there's buckets that say sanitize. If a child put a toy in their mouth, it goes right into that bucket so that they know no one else can touch it and it sanitizes it. We'll do more cleaning and sanitizing, but we have got a pretty good handle 
on making sure that the kids are washing their hands. It's just part of the routine. We want to teach them and train them that it is part of everyday life. Okay, Sarah, I hope that answers your question because that's a really important question. And again, I want to state that every conversation we have, we are weighing sort of the risk benefit scenarios that we can find that sweet spot of balance between implementing safety protocols that we need to and making sure that kids, especially our ECC children, come to school happy and want to play and want to be there and are not afraid. Darren, there was a question earlier on the sheet that said, can I defer my enrollment till January? Um, And I'm going to answer that in a way of telling you that just like any time, if there's an opening, we accept children at any time. So I don't know what the space will be, but um, if there's space, they can come in and you can wait till January and take that chance. And there are some people that have chosen to do that. Thank you, Robin. I'm just looking through the chat. Uh, I think I caught up on all of the questions. David Salama, I think we can think of anything. It depends if it is appropriate, if it's what day it is and when it is. Um, I think all the holidays this year are on Shabbat, correct? Except for Yom Kippur. Right. So, um, but we we had some dynamite virtual uh, Shabbat services through the year, but we can, you know, anything is possible and we can look at anything. Eagle has a question. What are your thoughts about continuity with classmates? So is that question referring to keeping the whole class together or the class together in one group during the day? Keeping keeping the class together from this year to next year? Right. I mean, I noticed when my daughter went right. from the twos to the threes, some of the kids stayed together and some went mm-hmm. to different classes. Right. So if we definitely do um, looping and we start them off with their new teacher, with the same teacher that they had, they definitely would keep with the same classmate. We have not decided and we need to definitely look at what's best for the children and the groups of children. This point, we're at the summer break off where they would be meeting a new teacher anyway. So we need to look at everything and see what's going to be best for them. Yes, Danielle, I see your question. Um, I don't encourage waiting until school starts. The school has expenses that we have to be able to cover. Um, And I thought I I gave people some comfort in that if school doesn't start in the fall, you would either get a credit or a refund for anything you've paid in July and August. So I'm hoping that would help people uh, try to avoid waiting to pay until September. But if some family has certain circumstances where they have to do that, of course, like any other time, we'll work with you. But obviously, I'm not a big fan of it because we have lots of bills and and salaries to pay um, in the meantime. Will class sizes be smaller? Um, We haven't really looked at them. Our class sizes right now are very we have a great ratio. We have a we follow state guidelines and then go above and beyond the state guidelines of the ratios student to child. Um, and I'm not sure that you know what the sizes of the classes will be at this point. They will keep them at what they can hold in the classrooms and definitely follow all our licensing rules and CDC recommendations. Okay, um, David, I just want to comment 
on, um, we will be reaching out on Friday to all families about what their plans are for next year. And I would encourage you to give us uh, what your plans are right now. Um, and that's something that would, should come from the school, not necessarily the president of the board. And um, that's your opportunity to tell us what your thoughts are right now. And then we'll have those data from everybody. Uh, Jordan, will there be any rules for families at home, such as notifying the school if going on vacation or if someone interacts um, with someone who has COVID? And then Samantha chimed in and said, um, ditto for teachers, meaning Samantha, you're wondering if the same thing would be true for teachers as it is for families. Hey, Darren, um, I'll jump in here for a second. Um, as part of the health questions that everyone's going to ha have to answer every day, that's both families and staff. One of the questions is, have you traveled recently? And then providing details if the answer is yes. And there are a couple categories, you know, only within 25 miles of home, 50 to 100 miles internationally, that kind of thing. So we will be tracking that as part of the daily health questionnaire. Yeah, but, but would that mean, oh, I mean, and, I, and I'm not saying that I'm opposed to this, it's just a question, but would that mean, oh, I decided to go to California last, for a long weekend for our wedding, is there going to be, oh, since you were out of town, you need to quarantine yourself for X amount of time or anything of that sort? Again, we'll rely on the medical experts. I didn't anticipate that, right? Right now, there's no quarantine between states. If you go internationally, that might be a whole different ballgame. Um, sure. But as of right now, um, domestic travel isn't banned or, or require any quarantine that I'm aware of. So we wouldn't, we wouldn't follow a more intense policy than that. Okay. But we would want to know, just so for tracking purposes. Sure. Okay. Are there any other questions or comments? Relating to Jennifer's comment on the fact that kids get sick and it's not necessarily very unlikely to be COVID, is there a policy if a sibling is sick in the house? And how will that impact our child's attendance in the ECC? Sarah, that's a good question. Um, and as we're developing our policy, I, I, I'm not sure that we actually brought that question up. And that's why these focus groups are so helpful for us. Um, I think we need to bring that to Gail and to our medical advisor to find out what the policy will be. And we'll also get uh, see the guidelines that come from the state. Um, on June 30th, but it's a good question. I appreciate it. I just don't have an answer right now. Okay, I'm just looking through. Any, any hands raised? Did we miss any? You guys are awesome. Yeah, this has been incredibly helpful. Did you say at the top of the meeting you'd be cover lunch changes? Oh, we did. Lunch changes. For the ECC, there will be no lunch changes. We already eat in our classrooms, and food is delivered to our classrooms through the um, me's known through the cap where they make it. So our kids will stay in our classrooms and eat in there. And John has something to that. Yeah, just for those who have older um, children in the school as well, and you didn't hear this, um, all, all children will be either eating in their, most likely in their classrooms, possibly outside if we have that opportunity, mm -hmm. um, but they'll be eating in their classrooms. We're also working on an app um, and a new food service process where you can uh, see the menu ahead of time and um, children won't be going to the cafeteria so we have to know what they want so we can make sure it ends up with them uh, but they order in advance via the uh, app either through your laptop or your phone and we don't haven't finalized the deal yet but we've been in deep discussions with a couple different companies that provide that kind of service there'll be some training involved for everyone 
people at the school and for parents, but it's, it's not too different. You'd load up your account with money and then it would just deduct from there based on your selections off the menu every day. Okay, so as we wrap up, oh, not sure if this has been mentioned, but have you considered a separate entrance for the ECC kids? How will Jim be handled with Coach Floyd? Okay, two separate questions. Um, John, you want to talk again about the entrance? Yes, we're, we are seriously considering use of a separate entrance for ECC. I don't see why we wouldn't do that. We just haven't finalized the decision yet, but I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think we'll end up that way. Okay, and then and, Robin. And talk. Coach Floyd will come to us. He will come to us where we will, and hopefully we will be outside and we will figure out different areas that we can do gym in, but he will come to us. And, and Robin, is there also the possibility that we could be walking socially, physically distanced to the gym for use of the gym as well? I definitely think with our older children, you know, the fours, we'll have to see how it works with the younger ones going through. But absolute, there is, we are open to doing whatever is going to be best. I can, I can answer, Robin. Hi, everybody. It's Melissa. Um, there was a follow-up question about the maker space. So I think this all goes back to that social emotional piece that in order for the social emotional and that the mind and soul combination of our children at Hillel Day School, we know that the arts and movement and socialization is such a huge part of that. So things such as the makerspace or, you know, ECC4s has um, had art with Mrs. Cohen. We, although the actual space may not be used, links into what Robin said about Coach Floyd, that things will, you know, be brought to, to the classroom. And we just have to figure out the best use of, of supplies to, to be used in a safe manner. There's also a question here from Alana about kindergarten. And I know a lot of you have incoming kindergartners on here. We, John and the task force has looked at um, the kindergarten spaces and set up like tables that the kids can have their own space in the tables. Kindergarten will be in their rooms, in their classrooms, and they have their whole key car. So they're able to have their own space. Okay, there's a question. Let me make sure I'm not off of me. Okay, there's a question from Jennifer Kravis. Is there, is there anything in the plan to notify other classmates if a parent or grandparent is working in an essential job? Like as a medical professional, for example, and is treating COVID patients, um, how does this change the whole let us know if you have a potential exposure concern? Um, wow, that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, and John, chime in if I'm about to say anything wrong, but as of now, we have not, uh, we have not discussed, nor do I think there's any plan to let parents or grandparents know what the jobs of other, pe of other parents in the class are. I agree, Darren. That's not information that I'd be willing to share with anyone. Can I chime in for one second? I'm on another task force um, for a school district, um, and this did come up. And I'm not the medical professional on the task force, but my understanding from another local district is the child from an essential worker is, and then like the risk of bringing that to a classroom is like hardly anything because they're not direct contact, they're secondary contact. And it's like, it's just 
So I know that the another local district this did come up and they're not notifying anyone because it's so far removed. Okay. Great input. Yeah. And Sarah, maybe you and I can even talk offline just to find out. You know, one of the things that I keep saying is that every single school in the country is trying to come up with policies and we don't all have to invent the wheel separately. We actually can do a, a great deal of sharing of best practices. And um, I'm happy to hear what other schools and districts are doing because we're all in this together in a way and, and there's no playbook for this. Right. So I'm happy to talk offline about what you've been hearing and what the work that you've been doing on your, on your task force. Darren, I think we might've missed the question. Um, yeah, I'm sorry regarding um, enrollment contracts. Um, and there's no plan to change the enrollment contract for this year. Uh, we're on rolling re-enrollment and, and we just don't have the capability to change that for this year. Um, I think I did talk extensively about tuition. If there's more specific questions, I'm more than willing to try to answer those. Okay. And Megan, I'll answer your question about the transition, about closure of the year. We are really looking at everything. We are trying to decide what the best way to move forward is, keeping in mind that we are at the end point of the, class of the year and we start fresh in September every year, no matter if it's a COVID year or any year. So at some point we have you know, an, an end and a beginning. And yes, the end of this year was totally different than any other year. Um, however, we will make sure that we make those connections and make our children feel loved and welcomed and comfortable, however we decide to do it. Right, and I totally understand that this, you know, every year ends and you continue on. I think this year was just very different only given the fact that these twos and I can only speak for my child, but the Zoom feature doesn't really give them any um, end to anything. I mean, Agreed. they can sit on the computer and be like, oh, you know, we'll have circle time and whatnot. But half of the time, it's really challenging to keep them sitting. So like for them to understand that that is the end of the year doesn't really translate as, if, as it would when the teachers would probably be prepping them about transition to the following and having an end of the year celebration together, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's, that's why I only ask here because yeah. if it was a normal year, it wouldn't. No, really. of course. Of course. That, was, that was the question. Yeah, we totally see that and we understand that. And that's what we're looking for. And, and any of these decisions that are being made in sense of, you know, developmentally appropriate or best practices, I am uh, uh, in contact, constant contact with many other directors and many other schools in the area. And we are all working together to make sure we're doing what's best for everyone. Totally. And we thank you guys for that. Yeah, we do. I know. So thank do. you. Appreciate it immensely. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate you. Yeah. I think that's a good segue as, as our hour comes to a close to just thank you all for taking time out of your day to share your questions and to share your concerns. Um, I know that the ECC and the kindergarten students, it is a special population that has different needs, requires a different thought process than certainly our older students. And we are working on all of this. And what we do promise you is that as soon as we have information, 
we will communicate it to you. Um, knowing that next year, more than any other year, will require flexibility, I think a sense of humor and kindness and compassion and the belief that we are all coming at this with the best of intentions, um, which we are. So thank you all for being here. I look forward to meeting your children. I want to thank this incredible leadership team who was on the call with me today. And I wish you all a happy summer. Summer, Bye -bye. guys. Thank you for being here. Give your kids a kiss from me. Thank you for Bye. being here.